What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the All Things Croatia podcast. I'm your host, Stan Kozovac, and I'm bringing you the best of Croatia from around the globe. This episode is brought to you by Adriatic Tours, the best place since 1974 to book your cruises, tours, flights, and simply all things Croatia. Use the personalized code ALLTHINGSCROATIA to get a special discount and book your trip to Croatia today. For more information, go to www.adriatictours.com or click the link in the description. Now eat the modalje and let's get started. Alright, welcome back to the podcast everyone. In this episode we have a special guest, Peter Hazdovac. Peter is a Croatian-American and a very active member of the Croatian community down in the Los Angeles area. Uh, his family company, Adriatic Tours, which he works for, has long served the community in helping Croatians return to the homeland, both for vacation as well as with documents and papers and other services. In this episode, we're going to learn a little more about Peter, his family, and the effect they've had on the Croatian community. Peter, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm excited to uh, to join you. I've been listening to some of your other podcasts, so I'm excited to be a part of it. Yeah, I appreciate that, yeah. Well, let's, you know, start us off a little by telling us about, you know, your family and your Croatian roots. Both my parents were born in Croatia, and surprisingly, they, they met in Northern California when they immigrated here. Uh, my dad is born on the island of Mliet, and my mom is from Konavle, which is a village near, well, it's not really a village anymore, it's getting bigger, but it's uh, near Dubrovnik. And uh, they met up in Northern California, actually in Watsonville, and... Um, and then from there, it kind of it's that's where it all kind of started and ended up down in San Pedro. And we ended up uh, my parents started Adriatic Travel in 1974. And uh, since then, we've we've been in San Pedro and and been a part of the Croatian community and, and obviously selling and helping people get back to Croatia. So we've been pretty connected with with kind of everything Croatia for, you know, close to 50 years now here in Southern California. Mm-hmm. And what year did your parents immigrate to the U.S.? Jeez, uh, you got me on that now. So it's <laughs> it's got to be, I think it was, in, the business started in 1974. I know they started, um, they came in sometime. My mom came when she was about eight or 10 years old. She started and went to high school here in, in, in Watsonville. And then my dad came later. Um, but ultimately, they ended up down in, in the Southern California area in the early 1970s. Okay, cool. And I didn't know you also had roots from Konavle. It's a really nice area over there. Yeah, so that's where my whole mom's side of the family there. I still have quite a few cousins living there, and we we make a point to go visit them every time we're there. So it's yeah, we're we're that's uh, definitely a stop for us every summer when we come there. And now you mentioned you grew up in San Pedro, and for listeners that don't know, uh, San Pedro is you know a community in Los Angeles, but it really separates itself in a lot of ways from the rest of LA. Um, you know, for example, we have a Croatian church in downtown LA, and that's sort of what at least I think of as the, you know, LA Croatian church. And then San Pedro has its own, you know, church and its own Croatian community over there. And maybe it's what, an hour, hour and a half away, depending on traffic. Yeah. San Pedro's is, is, you know, I think there's different numbers out there and people can, can give different ideas of the, the amount of Croatians here. But you know, the, the way to look at it is they say that there's probably 30,000 approximately Croatian people of descent in San Pedro. And, you know, it started off as a small fishing community and obviously with Starkist Tuna and Bogdanovic, and they brought in a lot of Croatians to work in that industry. And then it kind of grew from there. And, 
you know, Croatia is kind of, excuse me, San Pedro has always been kind of known as, you know, having a big Croatian and Italian community due to the fishing industry. And, and then that translated down to most of them becoming port workers and working as longshoremen and so forth. So, um, yeah, beautiful little town, you know, right by the ocean. And I love living here and grew up here and, you know, where I plan on staying. So it's, uh, you know, we do have a Croatian hall in town that we have, and we have the Mary Star Catholic Church that also has a Croatian priest and Croatian mass every week. So, um, yeah, it's still a very um, Croatian, Croatian uh, connected uh, community for sure. Now, I know you and your family, you know, are very involved in that community over there. You know, what are some of those ways that you guys involve yourself? Well, I was a my parents, I mean, first off, they've they've been involved with multiple organizations and obviously supporting and fundraising. Um, both my parents run the Libertas Foundation, which is based out of San Pedro, but that was put together right when the war started. And it was a way to, for them to raise money for um, the people of Dubrovnik and send resources and send kitchen equipment and clothing and, and so forth. And now that's translated into, you know, we have... We haven't had it due to Corona, but, you know, up until that, that point, we were having um, kind of a gala dinner at St. Anthony's every year, which would have probably around 400 people. And they still continue to do with the proceeds that they make. And what they still have accumulated is they offer um, scholarships to high school students in Dubrovnik. And the idea is to help kids there who aren't going to your standard universities, these are more people going into like the service industry. So waiters, cooks, um, bartenders, and, you know, as you know, in Croatia, they have those fields. And so it's been a way that for the last 20 or so, 15, at least years, they've been offering these scholarships to about 10 to 15 students every year. So in about a thousand dollars each. So that's been some way that they've kind of stayed connected with helping Dubrovnik. And then I, myself, um, I was a, part of the Croatian American club here in San Pedro and was the president there and the vice president there. And so, um, you know, we, as you've been to Stanko, I think you've been to some of our street parties here in town. That's kind of what we're known for is that, that Memorial day party that we have in town along with the soccer tournament. And that's kind of been our big thing. Obviously our fame there was when the Croatian national team came to play in LA and it happened to fall on the weekend of the street party where Croatia played Mexico at the LA Coliseum. And, I don't know the exact number we had that year for the street party, but it's got to be over 2000 people. And um, so that club still exists in the sense of, you know, having, having events here and there and we have weekly lunches and um, so, so forth. That's, that's kind of the, the background of what our family in the sense of helped with various organizations through St. Anthony's and Croatian hall and Libertas foundation. So mm -hmm. are you guys planning anything for the upcoming world cup? Oh, yeah, I'm sure we'll have, uh, you know, when the Croatia played in the finals of the World Cup, we were able to shut down the streets in front and in a matter of three days, find a jumbo screen and get the city to allow us to put that in the street with and finding enough power to run the screen. So for me, it was the most stressful day probably of my life in the sense of knowing that there's going to be a few thousand people in front of there. And if we don't have power or the screen doesn't work, um, but it ended up working out great. So yeah, we, we will have some sort of showing party. Obviously, obviously in LA, the times for the games are a little rough for us here. I think we have like mm -hmm. a two o'clock, a four o'clock in the morning kickoff. So we'll make the best of that and see who can stay awake and who can make it. But yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, true. Well, speaking about soccer, um, actually, I just came across this the other day when I was doing some research for this episode, but you actually played professional soccer in Croatia. 
Yeah. So, I mean, I played, um, I played in college here for four years and then when I was done, I wanted to kind of continue. So I try, I trained in Croatia and played and actually played a, played a game in Makarska and Smai against Smai. Ah. So that's funny that you're living there. And I actually played in that stadium at one point. And one of my better experiences there of soccer was when we were leaving the stadium there, a lot of the fans there, I don't know if you've been to one of the local games yet, but they seem to, there's a tunnel when you walk out. So, you know, mm-hmm. I thought it was water being thrown on me, but I think a couple of guys were spitting on us when we were leaving there. So that was <laughs> a fun experience. But yeah, so I played for Gosh Dubrovnik for half a season and um, played there. And then I was kind of bouncing around between, I tried out for Zadad before I went to Gosh. And then after I, I kind of, during that winter transfer, I ended up in Sesvete, which was in the first division. And then um, it didn't work out where I, I didn't end up staying and, came back and then kind of played here for Hollywood United, which is kind of a, a lower division team here in the ML, kind of what they call the PDL division, which is kind of a lower division here of the MLS. Um, so I did that for a few years until I realized that, you know, it's kind of, it was time to stop chasing the dream and kind of get serious and get to work. So that was, uh, but it was fun. I got to play around Croatia and play in a lot of cool places and meet a lot of great friends that I'm still cl- close with. So that part of it was great. Mm-hmm. Was it a big difference coming from, you know, the L.A. Croatian community to the, you know, Croatian Croatian community? Well, listen, you know, I kind of, I even though I was kind of generalized as the American, I speak Croatian. So, I, I you know, it wasn't a hard transition like you and myself. I've been going to Croatia almost every summer my whole life and spending time there. So a lot of the players on my teams, I if I didn't know them, I knew a friend of theirs or something. So I, I mm. kind of, I didn't feel like so much as an outsider in the sense as some people would imagine. But um, it was definitely a great, you know, culture shock to kind of just see that grind and to see how hard they train. And, you know, these guys are trying to obviously, and myself, we're trying to make it to the first division and, and sign a contract with a bigger team. So, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely a battle and, and, you know, you, you had some great experiences going and playing against these teams and, and seeing, meeting a lot of people. So yeah, that part of it was great. Yeah, I guess I didn't think about that, but I'm sure there's also a culture shock coming from the U S to, you know, an actual uh, soccer country. Yeah. I mean, I guess the biggest, the biggest, like, and I had some friends and family watch some games and, you know, there could only be a hundred people at a game in Croatia or 200 people. But I mean, when you compare that to 500, I mean, they're louder and make more noise. And the, I feel like the atmosphere with those couple hundred people is equivalent to a few thousand people watching a college game here in the U S you know what I mean? So mm. um, there's definitely a lot more pride in it. And, you know, you're in the newspaper the day after, whether it's good or bad, if something happens. And so, so you know, it's, it's definitely, um, it's treated as professional soccer in the sense that, you know, people start to recognize you in that sense of things. So, you know, you do have to kind of um, be ready for that. And it was, a, it was, but it was a great experience. I, I, I try to convince so many young Croatian Americans to try to get out there and play and stick with it. And, and, and to be honest, sometimes I think I kind of gave up a little, too soon. I wish I would have kind of pushed through that other full half of the season and seeing what would have happened to it. So, but you know, it's hard to leave here and to leave home and to do that. But you know, if you have that opportunity, it's definitely something you won't regret later for sure. So. Hmm. Yeah, that's true. Um, getting back a little bit to your family, Peter, um, you said in 1974, I believe, you know, they started the company Adriatic Tours when, you know, sort of why did they want to get involved with that? 
the idea was before was, you know, it was about getting Croatians back to Croatia, you know, and most of the business relied on selling airline tickets to Croatians who wanted to go back home, right? It wasn't like tourism nowadays where people were seeing pictures and knew what Croatia was. And there really was probably not as developed of a tourist industry there in the sense of hotels and these boats and yachts that you see now, which is hard to believe, but that's, it really was about getting Croatians back there. And, you know, my parents' idea of where was the epicenter in the sense of the West Coast of having your business, right? And, you know, you kind of had to have a physical location that people could go to. I mean, we're, we're going back to, you know, pre, pre-internet, pre-fax, mm-hmm. pre-all of that kind of stuff. So they uh, ended up opening the business in San Pedro due to the fact that there was a big concentrations of Cro- big concentration of Croatians and able to say airline tickets to them and get them back. So that's kind of where the business started. And then obviously now we've evolved almost 50 years later to now, you know, that's probably the smallest segment of our business, even though we do sell quite a, a few thousand airline tickets, I would say every year. But, the, you know, the biggest thing now is how many Americans and second and third and fourth generations now of Croatians are going back to Croatia to vacation or for business or so forth. And ultimately, that's now made up, you know, 70 to 80 percent of our business as far as income in the sense of selling the boats and the cruises and the tours and all of that other stuff that you see now that's so common there. Right. So mm-hmm. um, so it's 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 evolved for sure. Like, you know, from from that from, you know, the basic Croatian ethnic travel agency is what they called it in the sense to now being kind of a full tourist agency, you know? Mm -hmm. So before it was a little more, you know, with the paperwork and, you know, maybe translations, notarizations and stuff like that. I obviously can only, you know, remember what I was born for, but, you know, I would remember every night my parents would go down and they would have to hand write airline tickets. Right. So, I mean, they would have a stack of airline tickets and they would have to write down every single person's flight number and their name. I mean, you were talking hours of writing just like on carbon paper where they would pull out one copy, give the copy to the other. I mean, this is, this sounds almost like prehistoric times when you're thinking (laughs) about it now, but I mean, my sisters and I, we, we had kind of cribs at the office in the sense, and they would be down there writing these tickets at night to kind of catch up. And there was no printing or sending multiple copies and doing all this kind of stuff. So, I mean, to see the evolution of where it is, my dad sometimes just, he just, he can't even believe how fast we're able to respond to people and to do things and put together stuff because it's just, it's a completely different environment, you know, you know, so. Hmm. Yeah, definitely. A lot has changed since then. I mean, technology wise. Let's talk a little about tourism, Peter. Um, You know, Croatia is now, you know, more than ever before, not a secret anymore, you know, to the general public, you know, us Croatians, of course, you know, we're always wanting to go back, you know, even just for the summer or for a few weeks. But now more so than ever, I feel like, you know, non-Croatians want to go to Croatia. Can you talk a little about, you know, what you're seeing in terms of that? Yeah, you know, and kind of, I guess, to kind of connect that to how I got into it. I mean, obviously, I was, you know, this is our family business. And, you know, we've had employees working for us for quite a long time. And I grew up there. But, you know, I mean, I kind of use our generation, Stonkol, I don't know exactly how old you are, but I'll put us in the same kind of category as like, growing up, I mean, what was a travel agent? I mean, when I went to college, I would tell people, my people, my family had a travel agency, and they kind of didn't even know what that was, right? That was like a non-existent you know, or something that old people used or God, it's got to be so expensive to use that person. I would just buy this online instead. And 
I kind of didn't think that this would become a future of mine. I kind of thought that the business would just kind of slowly fade away or we would do certain things. And then, you know, I would say in those early 2000s when, you know, kind of the war was done and things started to improve in Croatia. And then all of a sudden you saw like, wow, Croatia became this popular place. And now Americans were coming there and people didn't know how to get there. And finding out how to do things in Croatia was kind of hard, you know. And then all of a sudden I saw you know, people, we were getting a lot of business and, and the idea of like, you know, maybe there is a, a need for this service and to be this company in the US that kind of helps people get back to Croatia or, or go to Croatia for the first time. So ultimately it involved, it evolved now to in the sense where, you know, we get so many Americans, like I said, but, um, you know, Croatian tourism, like you said, has taken off. And now with social media, I mean, I would say the last 15 years, it's now, um, I mean, you can't really, most people have been there or have, are, are I would say, are going to be going there relatively pretty soon because now it's it's in the likes of with Italy and Greece and with the way the airport's there now, you can get into, you know, Zagreb split in Dubrovnik very easily from multiple cities. So it's just evolved to become, um, you know, now where our business is actually doing better than ever because of the fact that now we're, it's established more. We have great relationships with companies over there. People value um, our expertise there. And, you know, I, these drivers and guides and boats that I work with, I mean, some of these people, they've known my dad and have worked with him and my mom for 30 years. And I mean, we have a reputation of making sure that everybody has a cell phone number they can call if there's an emergency. And I think that people have now come full circle have realized that I mean, you book on Expedia and something goes wrong and God knows what's going to happen to your ticket and who you're going to call and how long you're going to wait. And, you know, we had people stuck in Croatia or in Germany because of the strike or whatever. And, you know, we're able to resolve these problems within 10 or 15 minutes, you know, because they have somebody they can call who can help them. So ultimately, I think like lots of industries, people now value like the service and the idea is to not be more expensive, but to be competitive. And sure, there could always be a special online that can beat our price or, you know, and that can happen in anything, right? I mean, at a grocery store, you can be one store can be cheaper than the other. And those things are fine. And that's kind of made the nature of the business. But I think if the consistency of providing that service and having people to have a resource and to feel comfortable and they're spending thousands of dollars and you know, we've been around for almost 50 years. We're not going to take off, you know, in the sense of that. So it's now it's kind of crazy to think, but now our business is, and looking back to where I was 10 years ago, our business is doing better than ever, where I thought 10 years ago, we would be, we'd be closing by now, you know? So, yeah, I do think you brought up a good point about, um, sort of made me think about, um, like in a lot of different industries, the, the sort of trend back in the day to be more automated and, um, yeah, efficient less through online. Yeah, right. I feel like as of late, it's been a bigger push to get the human aspect back into a lot of these, you know, industries or companies or no question. Yeah. And, you know, a little bit more on the uh, topic of tourism for someone going to Croatia for the first for the first time, you know, some of these people we were talking about who have Croatia on their list to go visit. What would you recommend that they see? You know, as opposed to Croatians who have been here, you know, been to Croatia, maybe they go every summer and, you know, they they sort of want something different or sort of want to see something they haven't seen. Yeah. So, I mean, like yourself and myself, like we we think the places we're from and there's so many Croatian people, you know, our the village we're from or the town we're from is the best place in Croatia. But lots of Croatians haven't been to other places of Croatia. So, um, 
you know, the, the idea of like people going there for the first time, and I'm sure you've seen a ton of those boats around and it's become like the biggest industry in Croatia, I would say, are those small ship cruises and I'll kind of generalize them. Like you've seen like the Katarina line type of boats. I mean, these now have turned into like yacht style boats where, you know, you're talking 2000 bucks a person for the week and you have a chef on board and you have a crew on board and it's a luxury boat. And then they have lower end ones, which can be a thousand bucks. So it really can fit any price category you want. But I mean, I, it's, it becomes a little bit repetitive in, in, in the way I'm explaining things. But for people who are going for the first time, and most Americans really only have 10 days or two weeks of vacation, but like that island hopping experience in Croatia, I mean, that's, you cannot replicate that anywhere in the world where every single day you're traveling in between islands and you're pulling into these small ports and it's full of restaurants and bars and history and towns. And then all of a sudden you go to sleep, you wake up the next day, you head to the next port and you're talking about traveling three, four hours a day. I mean, you're not, I mean, people say, and they finish these cruises and they're like, okay, Peter, where can we do this next? And like, you can't do this anywhere else. And that's what makes Croatia unique for the first time, at least for people is you do that island hopping type of thing and you see these boats and you see these islands in comparison to Greece, where, you know, Greece to Mykonos is a nine hour ferry ride, right? I mean, the distances are huge. There's huge swells, the water, and and, and you've been there and lived there now. So, you know, I mean, it's almost like a lake 90% of the time, you know, and people are worried about seasickness, but it's so protected by these islands. But so ultimately, mm -hmm. like the first trip for people, that seven day island hopping cruise, I always recommend it unless they really don't want to be on a boat or they want to do something different. But Because ultimately, the the feedback, I mean, I've had thousands of people go on these things, and I can maybe count on one hand somebody who's had bad experience. It's always a positive experience. They love the food. They love the crew. They love being in these small ports. Of course, you know, I have the people from northern Croatia or Zagreb or Istria who, who feel like those places are nice too, and I can't disagree with them. But, you know, I think my normal 10 day kind of example of somebody going to Croatia is, and this can be vice versa, would be flying into Zagreb, seeing the capital for one or two days, going to Plitvica, and then making your way to Split to do one of these seven day tours and finishing in Dubrovnik, right? So now you've kind of seen the capital, the national park, the islands of the Dalmatian coast and Dubrovnik and fly home, you know, and that's kind of, that can be reversed either way. Of course, if you have 12 or 14 days, then by all means, I always try to include Istria in the, in the trip, because I mean, that's kind of like, to me, the next, uh, the kind of the, the part of Croatia that people are going to start heading to next more and more, because, you know, there's, after you've been to the Dalmatian coast, the next step is to go up there and the food and the wine and it's just it's almost like being in tuscany right i mean it's completely different than the dalmatian close coastline so i would say for a 14 day trip or 12 day then we always include Istria as well but otherwise that's kind of our our normal routine for what people are doing for 10 or 10 days let's just say so mm -hmm. well yeah i mean you can't go wrong at all with the islands you know especially in dalmatia yeah. i mean and just being able to jump in and go swimming, you know, wherever you are in what, if you're on a seven day cruise, you know, you can swim in seven different islands or seven different, you know, beaches. Yeah. At least. Amazing. Yeah, it, I mean, the islands are so nice. You walk around the old cities. Yeah. I do. I do love the islands. I haven't been on, you know, that long. I've been, only been on a one day, um, mm -hmm. a little island hopping trip. But yeah, I would love to go on a, a longer set. I mean, and like I look at it like Stonko, you and I, we we become so immune to it, right? Because being there, going there so much that to us, it just looks normal. But like 
I mean, sometimes when you take a step back and you realize, God, this is like, this is pretty amazing. But like, you know, Croatian Americans, let's say we've, we've seen it so much that it's almost like it just seems normal to us, but like, you got to understand that there's really nothing like this in the world in the sense of that coastline and that beauty of, of what that is, you know? So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's for sure. And so you talked a little about, you know, what you should do if you're going for the first time or you don't have a history with Croatia. What about for those, you know, people like us or people who have been here, you know, a couple of times before, what are some of those overlooked places that you think deserve more, more people going there? Yeah, no question. You know, I try to, um, you know, at least, and my sister's an example. She kind of did that this summer too. You know, she had rented a car for a week and then she flew into Zagreb and then went to, to Istra and to all those towns of Varazin, Samabor. I mean, I, I really, I, I feel like, you know, if a lot of the people who have been to Croatia before or Croatian Americans, I, I think it's really you're doing yourself a disservice by not going and seeing some of these other places while you're there. I know it's beautiful to get to the village or the beach and we all have that beach bar that we sit at where we're from. And it's (laughs) like, I could sit here all day and not move for three weeks. I'm all about that. Right. That's, but I mean, when you get in a car and you leave that little village or town that you're from, I mean, it's, it's amazing how much you'll be shocked by the, the food and the people and the serve, you know what I mean? And it's really something that I feel like you can get in the car now with the freeway, you can drive anywhere. Right. I mean, so it's just about kind of blocking the days and doing it and kind of saying this time we're going to do four days in Israel. We're going to do four days around Zagreb and then go do it and see it because I mean, you'll be pleasantly surprised with how, how beautiful the other parts of Croatia are. And I think that only makes you more, feel i guess feel proud about where you're from and that there's other places in croatia that are just as beautiful you know so yeah it's easy to get in that comfort zone you know of doing yeah, the things you've no. done before because you know how great it is and you know why do something else if it's you know you already know it's going to be so beautiful and stuff but yeah i mean there's so and many especially places when it's see. when it's hot when it's hot outside right mm. you just want to sit at the beach and have a beer and not move but um as you're there now in september you know, and I, it's what I always tell people, September, October for me are the best months in Croatia to travel. So I try to, you know, tell people if they're flexible with work schedules or if they're, you know, if they don't have to go because of kids vacations, then kind of go in the off season, you know, not July and August when it's the busiest time. And you, I mean, it's the water's warm, the weather's great, it's less crowded and uh, you'll get to enjoy some other, other parts of Croatia, you know. Yeah, well, yeah, September and October, a little less hot, definitely less crowded. You know, you can see some of those places easier. Um, And this year especially, I feel like the whole year, I mean, there's something. September, October is still beautiful. And then you've got the World Cup going on. And then, you know, Advent, if you want to go to Zagreb or I heard Osijek, I think, has, has I mean, a lot of cities have really good Advents too. Have you been to the Advent yet? Have you been to that in Zagreb? In Zagreb, I have. And everyone was saying, oh, like it was way better, you know, a couple of years ago before Corona. And it was my first time. And I was saying, wow, this is amazing. Like, (laughs) (laughs) I guess the, the locals were a little disappointed, but for me, it was crazy. I mean, there were so many people out and about and, you know, drinking the Kuhano Vino, that was my first time having yeah. that. Yeah, it was really cool. And like Stanko taking a step back a little bit. I mean, that's like the greatest thing. I mean, to talk about, you know, we bringing tourism to Croatia in the off season is the number one challenge that Croatian tourists, tourism it has, right? It's how do we get people to come throughout multiple times of the year, not just when it's beautiful in the summertime. And like what Zagreb created, I mean, that is the epitome of like, beautiful planning execution 
people who go there. I mean, that's like those European cities like that, that have those kind of winter festivals, let's call them. That's amazing, right? I mean, and it brings in a whole different clientele who doesn't want to go to the beach, who doesn't want to go on a boat. They want to come and eat good food and be in a big city like Zog. I mean, it's, it's, that was the best thing that they could have ever, I guess, expanded. So I'm glad that you experienced that. And I, and I hope to see that soon too, I would have in the next couple of years for sure. Yeah, well, they, Zagreb in particular does a great job of promoting itself as a year-round city, I would say, with yeah, a lot of different yeah, events, sure. not just Advent, but um, what did they have last year? The Festival of Lights, um, where mm-hmm. they lit up a whole bunch of buildings, you know, with different little like animated movie things with yeah, these pictures. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. yeah, yeah that's great. They, they put on a lot of really cool events. That's great, yeah. Um, speak, going back to the islands a little bit, you know, you mentioned, you mentioned your father's side is from Liet, and I read, I think it was on Croatia Week that your family hosts, you know, a little festa, you could call it, over there on the island every year. <laughs> Can you talk a little about, you know, what that is and how did that get started? Yeah, so I don't want to blow the cover because I don't want too many people coming to this place because I feel like <laughs> this is like our little hidden gem, but I'll uh, I'll go ahead and release it here. But, you know, my dad's from, uh, he's from Liet and there's a little, little, I don't even want to call it a village, man. I think it's 15 houses. Um, it's like a, it's if the town is called Kozarica, it's a, it had a small little uh, riva where everybody can park their little. There's probably 15 boats parked there. Um, half the last names in Kozarica are Hazdovats, so you know they're all a sense of a cousin of mine of some sort. And um, a few years ago, they 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 wanted to kind of make their own chapel or church there um, off the cemetery that they had nearby there. So the idea ultimately started was to raise money for. Um, finishing this church and building it there. And it's a very small church. I mean, really for 20 or 40 people, I would say, but, um, you know, my dad with a couple of the other locals have, have decided to kind of make this an annual event where they bring a singer in and, um, it's actually, you know, a singer by the name of Ilko and he's, he's sung, he's sang at St. Anthony's before for our Libertas foundation. And he does, he's your typical Croatian singer with a guitar who can sing for seven hours straight and knows Mm -hmm. every song in the world. So, um, and he actually lives on Niet during the summertime, so it works out great. So they kind of just put together a little village party, as, as many of you guys experience in Croatia, in the sense. And they, it's, anybody can come, and there's tourists that who are staying in apartments there who come, and it's kind of on a donation base, and people leave donations, and they try to raise money there for the church to kind of help get that completed. So, yeah, I wouldn't say it's just my dad doing it. There's there's definitely a few of the families that help put it on and really it's all in the sense of kind of raising money for uh for a good cause and kind of getting the having fun in the village for one night i guess you know is is the way to put it and they don't obviously have many things going on there so this has kind of now become something that they all look forward to every year so well it sounds like a lot of fun i've never been to them yet so hopefully next summer yeah maybe i'll make it make over it there, there. And in disguise as a hasdavats <laughs> <laughs> yeah let me know when you go i'll, I'll, I'll let you know yeah yeah and then, you know, last last sort of thing here, Peter, just want to ask your favorite place in Croatia, your top place. Oh, boy, I, I, I think it's Niet, you know, and, and, mm. and I think for people that have been there, they'll, they, they can hopefully agree with me. I, I think it's, it's unique. It's different. I mean, it's with half of it being a national park, it is kind of, it's very protected in that sense. But, you know, for me growing up, that was for my cousins and I, that was the place where we would uh, come from America and spend our summers there and swim. And, you know, you, I mean, talk about nothing to worry about. I mean, we didn't have it. There's no TV, there's no phones, there was nothing. I mean, we literally were 
eat dinner and we would come back and just walk around and throw rocks and do, you know, what normal kids would do. And our parents wouldn't see us till the morning. Right. I mean, but it's kind of, uh, now that I have kids and unfortunately only able to spend a few days there in the summertime because of the way things are with schedule, but I hope to spend more time there in the future. But for me, that's kind of always been, I would say my special place, but as a tourist, I would say Istra. When I when I, I did a tour through Istra, in the sense of I rented a car and drove through. I went to Rovin, to Motovan, to Hum, to Opatia. Yeah. So if you're visiting as a tourist, then I would say, if you had extra time in Croatia, then I would say that Istra region and Rovin, Motovan, Opatia, even Pula. So I would say if you have extra time, that would be the place as a tourist as that I would like to go back and visit for sure. Yeah, I think those are my sort of top next destinations as well. Because I've only I've only been to Pula in you know all of Istra and just for a night. So I would love to go um, explore a little more up there. Sure. Uh, but Peter, you know, I want to thank you for taking the time to come talk to me on the podcast. I'll put links. You know, people can contact you at um, www.adriatictours.com. Help me out here. Yeah, correct. Yep. Yeah, okay. And I'll drop links in the episode description. But, you know, Peter, thank you again for coming on the podcast. Stanko, I appreciate it. And, you know, I, uh, I I really appreciate what you're doing. And I think this is a really cool idea that you've kind of taken off. And, and the fact that, you know, it's just another way, I think, for Croatians to network with each other and get to know each other. And hopefully this is a way for everybody to kind of continue to stay connected. So I do want to um, give you a little bit of recognition for the fact that you've been putting this on and and, uh, and putting this together. So thanks again. That's it for today's episode of the All Things Croatia podcast. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope you all enjoyed it. You can subscribe to the Patreon and check out the All Things Croatia Instagram page to stay updated. Feel free to reach out to me with any questions, tips, or ideas, and make sure to tune back in to the next episode. Thanks again, and vidimo se!